Hello. You have found this episode here because we want to introduce you to our new series, The Estate, from Sonoro and Tenderfoot TV. My name is Alex Estrada, and this is the story of my family. The Estate is a true crime documentary podcast series about a burning question that has haunted me for the past 20 years. Was my father involved in the murder of his business partner? A murder mystery, political conspiracy, and family memoir touching on race, the justice system, and a pain that moves from one generation to the next. Look for The Estate wherever you get your podcasts. In the early evening on New Year's Eve in 1973, a 34-year-old man was found bleeding to death on the street with multiple bullet wounds to his chest, stomach, and leg. He was rushed a mile north to St. Joseph's Hospital, but died hours later in surgery. This man was Anthony Virgilio, Tony to his friends. He was found in Fremont Square, a park in downtown Stockton, which at the time was a busy place. Blocks away from the waterfront promenade, downtown was the heart of Stockton's business and entertainment. At rush hour, you'd often see people in suits, carrying briefcases, walking to work in tall office buildings. But that night, Fremont Square was vacant. It was rainy, and offices and restaurants were closed. Nobody does business on New Year's Eve. Nobody except Tony Virgilio. According to Stockton police, in his dying moments, Tony told them that he had come downtown for a meeting with his former business partner, Calvin Jones. Calvin Jones would spend 30 years in prison for Tony's murder. And for 30 years, Calvin Jones would call my house and speak to my father. The phone would ring. My dad would walk into his room, shut the door, and talk to Calvin for hours. And I always wondered, what was happening in there? What were they talking about? What did my dad have to say to a convicted murderer? From Sonoro in partnership with Tinderfoot TV, I'm Alex Estrada, and this is The Estate. I'll never forget giving the eulogy at my dad's funeral. The service took place at the Annunciation Cathedral. It's a big Gothic Catholic church on Rose Street in Stockton, California, just four blocks away from the house where I grew up. I'd been to this church before, but this was my first time in the front pew, which for this occasion was reserved for a close family the folks who were truly grieving. And that's where I was, along with my mom and my six siblings. My dad, Rosalio Estrada, Rosie to his friends, came from a huge Mexican family. So his brothers and sisters, their kids and grandkids all showed up. The place was packed. It was like a midnight mass in the middle of a summer day. 
I could feel myself sweating through my suit as I waited to go up to the pulpit. In true Estrada fashion, my dad wasn't even at his own funeral. His remains didn't get cremated on time. They arrived a week later and sat in my sister's Honda for six months after that. So there I was, giving the last words for a guy who wasn't even there. But I did my best to capture who he was. Dad called himself the maestro, the boss, because that's what he considered himself, the conductor, the guy calling the shots, the one with a vision. And although the maestro is no longer with us, I concluded, he certainly left his mark on the world, his city, and his family. I made it back to the pew, trying to catch my breath between heaving sobs. I still have the eulogy, but when I read it now, it makes me cringe. Not because it was poorly written or badly delivered, but because I didn't really like my dad. I don't think he was a great person. Maybe not even a good person. I also don't know very much about his life. And it feels like those are two rules for giving a eulogy. You know the person, and you have good things to say about them. And what I didn't tell people as I stood at the pulpit of that Gothic cathedral, looking out at everyone who had loved my father, was that for a long time, I had a sinking feeling that my dad had someone killed. When I was a kid, my parents taught me to answer the phone the same way most people learned. The phone rings, you pick it up, ask who's calling, then you take a message or you hand it to the person they want to talk to. Pretty simple stuff. But there was one phone call that we had to answer differently. I have a collect call from... Calvin Jones. An inmate at a San Bernardino County detention facility. When Calvin Jones called, you were to take the phone straight to Dad. Calvin called about once a month, sometimes once a week. My dad would always accept the charges and usually take the call in another room. One day, when I was about 10, I was walking up to the house and I heard the phone ringing. No one else was home. So I answered it. And it was Calvin Jones. I accepted the charges and talked to him. The call was short. I said, Dad wasn't home, but that I'd let him know Calvin called. He thanked me and hung up. But by that time, the answering machine had already started recording and caught everything. That evening, my dad called me into the living room and played the message. And I got a sinking feeling in my stomach and the sense that I had messed up big time. Dad looked at me with cold eyes and then told me, in a low, stern voice, that if he wasn't home when Calvin called, I was to hang up. Do not talk to the man who was calling, he told me. My dad was an imposing guy, especially to me, a 10-year-old kid. He loomed over me and had a face like granite. He was born with a hair lip, and his nose was crooked from being broken a few times. 
Dad used to brag to me and my siblings about fights he had gotten into as a younger guy. I remember him telling me once that there was no greater satisfaction than the feeling of a guy's mouth collapsing when you hit him in the jaw. He had no qualms about being threatening or violent, even with his own kids. So I did what Dad told me, and that's the way it went for many years. But the calls never stopped. I still had questions. Who was Calvin Jones? How did he know my father? Why was he calling our house from prison? I didn't get any answers until I was 15. I asked my oldest sister, who is this guy who keeps calling? She gave me the cliff notes. Calvin was dad's best friend. And before I was born, he and dad were put on trial for killing their business partner. Tony Virgilio, the man who was found in Fremont Square on New Year's Eve, 1973. And Calvin was convicted. My dad, accused of murder. For 15-year-old me, this was the definition of an oh-shit moment. On the one hand, the idea of my father being a killer never occurred to me. Even with my complicated feelings towards him, it seemed impossible. But once the shock wore off, I thought, maybe it wasn't so crazy. Either way, I had to know more. So that night at dinner, I straight up asked my dad about the case. And he didn't seem entirely phased by the question. I mean, he probably figured that one day, his kids would want to know more about these strange phone calls from prison. So he took a breath and talked for what felt like an hour. By the time he finished, my mom and siblings had cleared the plates from the table. There were no pauses, no room for questions, just the story of what he said happened. As dad explained it, he and Calvin were partners in a construction business with this guy, Tony, who died under mysterious circumstances. Calvin and my dad were the immediate suspects, but according to my dad, it had less to do with the evidence and more to do with what they represented to the powerful people in Stockton. Dad said the police had no evidence, except for an insurance policy, which he didn't want to begin with. There was no murder weapon, no eyewitnesses, no direct evidence tying him or Calvin to Tony's death. Calvin had been convicted by rumors. The whole thing was a racially motivated witch hunt. According to Dad, they were innocent. Calvin Jones would spend 30 years in prison for Tony's murder. And for 30 years, Calvin Jones would call my house and speak to my father. What did my dad have to say to a convicted murderer? From Sonoro and Tenderfoot TV, this is The Estate. Listen for free on Apple Podcasts.